Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. And yes, we are 18 years now doing Texas Home Improvement. You know, I, I, I will just tell you real quick. When I was first approached about doing a show, I was actually... On a little station, little Christian station, doing a uh, interview about Due West, you know, my, talking about foundation repair and stuff. And the the guy doing the interviewing was uh, the the general manager of the station. He was the manager of the station and did a radio show. And uh, during the breaks, I was talking about all the remodeling I was doing at my house, which I'm getting ready to have to do some new remodeling at the house it's been 18 years so it's time but anyways um, he was asking me he said you know we, we'd really like to do a, a home improvement show on the station would you come in and and host it and I, I kept no nah, I'm not giving up my weekends I'm not I'm not doing that uh, and, and I just I kept saying turning it down finally after about six months I said okay here's the deal I'll come in on Saturday mornings uh, I want to do it about ni- at 9 o'clock. I'll do a one-hour show and be done. So that's what I did. One-hour show from 9 to 10. Then it went to two hours. Then other stations started picking it up. Uh, and, yes, we moved to the afternoon, but uh, there was different reasons for that. But nonetheless, I have had a great time for the last 18 years doing the show. I've got no intention of going anywhere. Uh, and, and I always thought when when we first when I first agreed to do the one hour that they would put me on for about three weeks and figure out uh, I'm not a radio guy I'm a contractor and we got to watch too close what he says and and stuff like that but uh, it, actually it's it's been just a lot of fun and has not been a big issue it, it amazes me how well I can clean up my language when I need to we're gonna go out to Arlington first Joe. Welcome to the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim. Hey, uh, I've got a home that was built in 1989. Uh, We replaced all the AC with train about uh, seven years ago. We did not replace the ducts. They said they did not need to be replaced. And they also have the electromagnetic filters on them, and we maintain it regularly in the spring and the summer. Uh, We replaced the carpet about three years ago. And I don't have any antique furniture at all, and none of it smells. But it seems like every time we leave town for about a week and close the home up, I come back, first come in, it just smells musty. And after it kind of goes away, I don't know whether I'm getting used to it or or the house is more open or what. Any ideas? Well, it's probably some of both. You're probably getting a little more used to it after you come home for a week. But uh, when you're gone, are you leaving the, the system on and running? Yes. Okay, so I don't think it's going to be related to the AC system then, other than, uh, you know, if it's not getting enough fresh air into the house or something. But if you're getting that kind of a a musty uh, odor in the house, you're getting moisture somewhere. Okay. And, you know, that, and the reason you're smelling it is you're not opening and closing doors and stuff like that. Uh, and so when you first come in, it probably knocks you out. And then after you start using stuff and uh, opening and closing doors again and things like that, it, it 
probably starts to dissipate. So the likely places I would first start looking is under the bathroom sinks, then the kitchen sink, under the dishwasher, uh, and then around the toilets, uh, depending on the type of flooring you have. Those are the likely spots where you're going to get moisture that uh, can come out. Uh, The other places beyond that to start looking is going to be in closets. And what can happen is moisture starts traveling under the foundation and comes up through the concrete. Well, in the open living space of the house, uh, the air conditioning system is, is keeping carpets and padding and stuff like that dry. But when you're gone and closet doors are closed up and stuff, they're not getting circulation, and you can tend to start getting that musty smell. Uh, well, how do you, like, if it's a closet, just just leave the doors open for a week or so and let it dry out, or, or is there something, you know, significant I need to repair? No, they, they actually make stuff that you can put in that draws up the moisture, but the first thing I would do in order to test, you know, if it is in a closet, is leave the doors open uh, while you're gone. Okay. And see if you still get the odor. Uh, if you do, hey, it's probably not in the closet. Okay, uh, then it's just—it's not in the duct or any of that kind of stuff. You don't think, huh? Very unlikely, because if it was in the ducts or anything like that, you would—you would get it all the time. I got you. Okay. All right. Hey, I appreciate your time. You bet, Joe. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. And again, one eight hundred two eight eight. 9227. That's 1-800-288-9227. And talking about a musty smell. I came home Thursday night. My grandson was staying at the house. And uh, my my wife calls and she says, or actually my son called because he was there with him. And he says, we got a lot of water. Uh, How do we clean it up? And well, he got the shop back out and started vacuuming it up. I get to the house, and my grandson, who hadn't quite turned four yet, had closed the the uh, drain in the bathroom sink and turned the water on because he wanted to see how long it takes to fill the sink up. Then he locked the door and closed the door, and it promptly started flooding the house as the water was coming over the countertop and running out onto the uh, floor and out into the rooms around it. So, you know, when when you have an issue like that, uh, I tell you all the time, it's, you, you've, you've got a responsibility to take care of to make sure it doesn't cause additional problems. Because if you just call an insurance company, they cover the damage, but they don't necessarily, or they won't cover if you didn't take action to keep the damage from being worse now i'm not going to call my insurance company over this i I pulled up the carpet we pulled out the the wet padding from underneath and and let it all dry and i was getting ready to put new floors in anyway so i'm not going to turn it in and have a ding on the on the insurance for it uh, because you know deductibles are so high nowadays i don't want to go any further with it and um I'm actually going to, like in the hallway, switch from carpet to wood floors and and, uh, and stuff. But anyways, the point is, if you get uh, water running in the house, you cannot just vacuum up the moisture that's on top with a shop vac. When you pull that carpet up, that padding is saturated because... 
the padding under carpet really is nothing more than a sponge. And it is wringing, sopping wet. You got to get that out. Throw that away. In a lot of cases, you can save the carpet. Once you've peeled it up, vacuum it, peel it up, uh, you get all the, the moisture that you can out of it, pull the padding out, and then you can lay it back down and, and let it dry out. And usually the carpet itself is good to reuse. You just have to put new padding under it. Don't let a little thing like an overflow like that ruin your house. All you got to do is take some preventative maintenance. And Hey, granted, uh, we probably spent a couple hours cleaning it up af afterwards, but uh, let me tell you, you, you can really make a little, well, he'll be four next week. Uh, you can make a four-year-old really understand what they did wrong by simply asking, Charlie, what did you do to my house? And that, that poor kid, he really felt guilty. Yes, see, I, I have problems. i got to deal with at my house, too. Let's head over to uh, Garland. Pat, this is Jim. How can I help you? Oh, you're, the, you're my go-to man. I, I ask you for help on all my problems. You're so good. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, we have snow flurries over here in Garland. Oh, are we getting some? Yeah, I don't yeah. see outside here. I knew we were possibly going to get some, but you're on the well, right side of town for it. That's correct. Listen, I, I, we, we all, our old original wood flooring has been sanded. They stained it. Um, how many coats of po oil polyurethane are they supposed to use? You know, sometimes they try to get away with two, but from the best durability, typically three. Three? Okay, yeah. well, a, a builder I know, he says he does a minimum of four, sometimes six, but he builds high-end houses. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can go more than that, uh, and all you're doing is building a thicker layer of protection. But, like I okay. said, bare bones minimum is two. Uh, okay. Now, the wood was uh, dry because it's from back in 1961. Right. So when they, it had um, the length of the board, you're going to, uh, there's the places where the, the two boards don't meet up. In fact, you can drop a bobby pin in between some of the boards. Um, are they supposed to fill that? Will it automatically fill up with polyurethane or... Is there something way I can correct it? Because it's, it's real obvious. I used a dark gray on the wood. It can fill up with the polyurethane, but a lot of times uh, you'll put a wood filler in there before staining, and uh, that way it gets stained to match everything. Well, they said that that was done, but that when they sanded it uh, um, to... Um, to um, you know, after after you stain, you you you, what do you call you you uh, screen it, then right. you put down your your first coat. They said it came up, and it's always going to come up. Well, then they didn't do a good job of putting it in, did they? Oh, uh, they said that they could put it in after this first coat of poly, and it it would stay this time. Uh, is that true? How big a gap are we talking about? I can drop a bobby pin. I can drop a bobby pin down in in some of the places. The wood was really dry. It's soaking up the poly. It soaked up oh, the skin yeah. really quickly in yep. the poly. The second coat of poly uh, won't get soaked up like the first did. The first one will soak in and seal it, and the second one is just and any and any other layers on top of that are going to just seal it from or uh, stack up on top of it to make it thicker. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, the 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 polyurethane would fill a gap that large. 
uh, but they'd have to purposely put some in there to fill it. So you could let them put the the filler in there, and it wouldn't hurt a thing. Put put the wood filler in, and then the yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, and, and just in those places, put in the wood filler, and then as soon as they put it in, go ahead and put all the poly over it so it will dry it in there? Well, they got to let the, the filler dry first, but then, yeah, oh, okay. poly it. Okay. Okay, well, listen, um, that, that helps me uh, some. I just wish they'd done it a little bit, uh, paid a little more attention to it. Um, I see it, and it's in heavily walked areas in sure. the hallway. And so I have to look at it every day, and I just. Well, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be on. You know, my wife and I actually went and looked at some wood floors last night at Floor and Decor, um, and you know, we came. One of the floors that they had was the unfinished, just like what you have, and uh, we kind of are leaning towards doing that uh, with the unfinished floors as well, so that we can. Put them in, stain it the way we want, you know, sand it and everything, and then mm-hmm. stain it the way we want it, and and put the seals on it. Uh, I just like the looks of the the traditional wood floors. Right. Well, we well, we were told that when they sanded it, that the sanding would go down in the in the cracks. Usually it cracks, does. Lines. But when they vacuum it, they didn't dust off it out. They vacuumed it out, so they sucked it all out. Ah, so, yeah. I, I I thought that would, might be a mistake, but they were trying to get it done timely. Yeah. Honestly, if you let them just coat it with the urethane and fill those gaps even with the urethane, uh, it, it'll look gorgeous when it's done. It really won't look bad. Okay. So rather than rolling the urethane off, I should probably go in there with a, a brush and dab it in there. And, and then, then roll, roll it. it on. Yep. Okay. Listen, you're always a big help. I appreciate it. Thank Take care, so Pat. Much. Bye-bye. Let's head to Dayton. And, John, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Wonderful. How about you? Not too bad. Got a question. So I have a 16 by 40 portable building. Uh-huh. And I'm wanting to insulate it. I'm going to be using it for a workshop for doing woodwork and what have you. Yeah. Um, it has a R panel roof with the OSB decking. And I didn't know if I could use that uh, energy cue or like a double bubble type insulation or if the foam board would work right up against that with the radiant barrier. Are you going to leave all all of it exposed? Yeah, I'm going to just leave it exposed. I'm not going to dry it in with sheetrock or nothing. Okay. Then any of them would work just fine. Uh, If you use a single ply, it has to have the dead air space in order for it to work. Uh, The energy cue would not require that uh it can go sandwich behind materials and stuff but really any of them would work just fine in the situation you just described okay all right that sounds good let me uh, one more question on that absolutely that's a t t111 siding yeah you sent me an email yeah it's a little older building and it needs a fresh coat on the outside will that uh cool coat paint work on the outside of that is that absolutely no, it it uh, it can be mixed in, in interior or exterior because the uh, uh, product is actually a uh, bead that mix into, mixes into the paint, a porcelain okay. type bead. So it can be used in, interior or exterior. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll appreciate it, sir. You bet. You take care. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Gail, this is Jim. How can I help you? 
Hello, sir. Yes, I have a question about putting tile flooring on a second floor. I okay. have a reverse floor plan, so all of the main living area is actually the second floor. I am replacing some tiles, some hardwood floors, and carpeting. I have been told by a handful of people that you can't do entire second floors with all tiles, and then I have been told by others that it can be done. It just has to be installed correctly. That so is correct. My, okay, so what is the correct way to do it to avoid movement and cracking? Uh, you know, the big problem people run into is uh, the decking typically on the second floor isn't thick enough. And so when you step on the plywood up there, it, it'll give just a little bit in between the floor joists. And so the larger area you get, the bigger problem you're going to have with that because it, it's likely to occur. Typically, if you'd want to avoid having these problems, you want two layers of three-quarter inch plywood. That makes it thick enough, stiff enough, that you don't have any sagging when you're walking on it. And typically just eliminates the, the issues that you need to worry about it cracking and stuff. Secondary thing, don't go overboard on the size tile you're using. Uh, I mean, if you were using the old hexagon-shaped tiles that are only like 2 by 2 you would see virtually no cracking. Uh, but you get up into some of these newer tiles that are, you know, three. I, I went to Floor and Decor last night. Was last, yeah, last night. And, and looked at some. I saw a tile there that was four foot by four foot. You start trying to put that on a second floor, it's going to break. It's not solid and, uh, enough, and that's just too big a tile. But if you'll stick to something that's uh, 24 inches or less by 24, you'll be totally fine. What about a 6 by 36? I wouldn't worry about that at all. Okay. And then now, I uh, you, one that's provided you got that thickness that I just talked about. And instead of the second layer of plywood, would a cement board or something along that line also work? No. The, the no. cement okay. board can go on top of that, but, uh, you know, like the back, that's called a backer board. And it, it typically has no structural strength that is used in measuring that. Uh, it, it's strictly there as an underlayment. Uh, it, it, it gives you a great material to bond the floor to and everything, but it doesn't add to the thickness. Well, perfect. I'm glad. Or, I, I shouldn't say thickness. Three. It doesn't add to the strength is what I mean. To the strength. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. No, I'm glad I called because I had two companies telling me that that hardy plank cement board is what you wanted to go under it. Um, you do, you so, do, but you still need that thicker plywood under there in order to make it rigid enough. Okay, that makes sense. But otherwise, can the tile go on top of the plywood, or do you have to put that secondary boarding between the two? You know, technically, it can go on the plywood. It will bond better and last longer if you put it on that concrete backer board. Okay, perfect. That's all I needed to know. Thank you so much, sir. Let's head to Conroe. And Ruthie, how are you today? I'm great. It's a bit cold and windy, but it's a beautiful day. You ought to come up here to Fort Worth. They had snow flurries uh -huh. here a little while ago. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I need some information on a tile that I want to put on the floor of a home 
I want to know something about ceramic uh, versus porcelain. Uh, I'm sort of hearing different uh, thoughts on that. So, and I want to know if they must float the floor. It's on cement. Um, and any other tips you can give me? Okay. First, the, the difference between the ceramic and the porcelain is the ceramic is typically a red color clay type uh, tile that has a finish on the top of it. The porcelain is, is a lot of times or typically going to be a white tile and it's colored all the way through. The, the white color carries all the way through. It's a lot of times a little bit harder tile. Uh, so it, it's a little higher end tile than most of the uh, ceramic tiles. Mm -hmm. as, as far as floating the floor, it all depends. If your floor is nice and level, then no, they don't need to float it. But if you got high and low spots, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of times they're going to want to float that out to, to give you a better laying job. Uh, because especially if you got a glossy tile floor, uh, when the pieces are tipping up and down a little bit, you'll actually see the reflections and and it just doesn't uh, show well if if it's not nice and level. Okay. Um, would there be any uh, reason not to use ceramic? None at all. Okay. I I, okay, I, I have I ceramic. Something I like. Oh, yeah, if you, got, if you find something you like, by all means, go ahead with it. I mean, I've got ceramic tile in my own house. I, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a very fine. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, okay, great news. Now, the, uh, the, the big difference is going to be if, say, you drop something on that ceramic tile and it uh -huh. chips, you're going to see the red underneath. Where on, uh -huh. a, on a porcelain tile, you don't do that. It, that's really the biggest difference and quite frankly for the 99.9 percent .9 of us it don't matter okay that's sort of what i was hoping you'd say so i really appreciate your help Thanks no for problem at all Ruthie, you take care okay thank you bye-bye bye-bye let's head out to hitchcock hello adam hey jim how you doing wonderful Good. Um, I have a project in my house where uh, on the dining room ceiling I've replaced about half the sheetrock because it was just all battered and just needed to be replaced. The other half of the sheetrock is uh, it was, the house was built in 1953 and they did that old um, fish scale texture. Yeah. And I'm wondering if uh, if I would be able to. I want, of course, the ceiling texture to blend together, you know. And so I don't know if I can use uh, kills or some type of primer over that fist scale and then texture it and paint directly over that. I'm trying not to sand it because I've uh, read somewhere that some of that old uh, plaster has asbestos in it. So what, what would be your recommendation on what I should, uh, how I should prep that surface before texturing it? Skim coat it. What's, um, what's it called? It's called skim coating. And what you can do is just take uh, a buck, a five-gallon bucket, uh, put, you know, say two gallons of sheetrock mud in it, add just a little bit of water, and you can literally then put a paint roller into the, the bucket and roll that sheetrock mud up on the ceiling. Uh 
and use a wide uh, sheetrock knife to drag it smooth. And that'll okay. give you a new smooth surface to be able to put your new texture on. Okay. Which should I should I use kills before I um, uh, skim coat it? Uh, no, nah, dude. It, it has been painted. It, it's what? It it has been painted. I mean, there's paint over the uh, fish scale texture. So I oh yeah, that's the, a primer. Nah, the paint won't hurt anything. But after you've uh, done the the uh, skim coating and got it nice and smooth, and then you do your texture, then you'll definitely want to primer it after that. Okay, with a drywall primer or just kills all purpose? You, you can use a kills all purpose. I per, I personally prefer a product called Zinzer, Z-I-N-Z-E-R, because uh, it does a okay. better job of hiding any uh, pigment imperfections, like if the sheetrock had ever been wet or anything, it keeps it from bleeding through. I see. Okay. Okay, well, that sounds perfect. Uh, I'm fixing to get to work on it right now. Just wanted to kind of double-check uh, and see what you thought. Well, I think when you're done with that one, if you'll come over, I got some popcorn ceilings my wife wants me to take <laughs> off that uh, you could skim coat my ceiling, and I, I and uh, we'd both be happy. Well, I don't know. I'm a plumber. I don't uh, – this is my house. That's the only house I do that Because <laughs> it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll let you off this time, but all right. Well, I appreciate that. And, Take care, uh, I appreciate Adam. The info. All right, you, you bet. Bye bye. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Hey, just real quick on that before I go into the calls here: uh, you can't be cheapest, best, and fastest all together. Pick two of the three. And that's what you're going to get, especially right now. Now, personally, I would toss out looking for the fastest in most cases. What you're looking for is who's going to do the best job at a reasonable cost. Now, that doesn't mean you got to go with the most expensive person, but I would truly question the cheapest person as well. Carla in Gainesville is uh, asking about a wall primer paint. I enjoy listening to your show, and thank you for all the information you share. I just had new sheetrock with very light texture put up in my house. What kind of primer should I use before I paint? I, I personally always use Zinzer, Z-I-N-Z-E-R, and they make a lot of different primers. Uh, they make primer sealers. They make just pr paint primers, uh, you know, so really for what you're doing, just a primer is all you need. Uh, now, typically, whatever brand of paints you're going to buy has a primer that they recommend. You can use that as well, um, but that's all I use. I, I do want to caution you, make sure you do use a primer. You know, sometimes people try to skip that step. And what happens is they end up having to use multiple coats of paint in order to get it to look right because the first one or two dry out uh, differently. And what the primer sealer does, it seals the wall so when you put the paint over it, it all dries evenly. Uh, what causes this is like where the texture is and the texture isn't dries at a different rate. And so it, it leaves it looking 
like it's got spots. Now, if you're using flat fall paint, it's usually not a huge issue. But once you start stepping up into like an eggshell or, or really anything above flat, uh, that's where you run into that problem. So absolutely always primer the wall. Got a question? 214-787-1080. I need to throw this out as well. If you're going to put wallpaper up, a lot of times all they do is tape and float and then they want to put the wallpaper up. Make sure to primer that wall first as well because somewhere, someday, somebody's going to want to take that wallpaper off and it comes off a whole lot better if that wall has at least primer on it, if not paint, than it does if it's going straight onto the sheetrock itself. And the reason for that, the sheetrock is paper-backed and you're gluing paper to paper, it tears up the wall too much. The paint helps to give you a little bit of protection to for when you uh, try to tear the, she- the uh, wallpaper off. Anyways, just a little side note there. This comes from uh, Daniel, and he says, I'm building a barn dominium that will have 900 square feet of interior surface. I would like a stained or painted concrete floor. Is it better to paint or stain concrete do you have a contractor you could recommend to perform this work the concrete was poured about four months ago and the metal is installed so it is interior work well i honestly it's going to be your personal preference of, of how you want to look at it now painted concrete uh, usually is a single color and you will see the wear marks. Stained concrete typically has some little swirls and patterns in the staining. You can do it as a, as a solid color, but it usually has a, a little bit of a, a different look to it. Like it's almost textured, but it's not. And then it has a protective coating over it, which you can put a protective coating over the paint as well. Um, as far as some, somebody who can do it, uh, Dalworth has a department that actually specializes in doing that and uh, they they do an amazing job I, I, I tell you one of the prettiest floors i ever saw was one that was and, and understand this is coming from somebody who's not a real fan of stained and painted concrete floors but this one what they did is they went in and sanded or, or ground down rather the surface so they got down to the rocks in the concrete and that only takes uh, you know just the surface cream off the top of the concrete anyways they got down to that stone and then sealed that and i think they put a little bit of stain to bring the stone and 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 stuff out that floor was gorgeous uh and you can keep a nice gloss sheen on it uh it, to me if I was going to do a, a concrete floor, that would be the way I would do it. Now, I personally prefer other coverings on the flooring because it gets cold. I don't like cold floors, but that's just my personal preference. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.